Thank you, and welcome to the Eighth Note Session. I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Bevan Mullen. And today our, our guest is Kane from Kamikaze LTD and Landsliders. Kane, how are you doing today? Uh, you know what? I don't know if I could be doing any better. I'm really enjoying today. That's, That's great to hear. Now, you have uh, and some music coming up uh, for the Landsliders. You have uh, an album called Shake the Underground. Could you tell us a little bit about the Landsliders and, and that particular release? Sure. Uh, the Landsliders... Um, is this this release is going to be the first uh, album for it it's actually my first solo project um even though i did have uh some uh musicians come in and, and play some parts i had jim Wynn come and he played uh, the bass and um jack fink played uh some of the drums and uh drum kit and jeremy allen played some of the drum kit and stuff but basically everything else i played uh did all the all the percussion, all the guitars, um, all the uh, keyboards, uh, MIDI keyboards, piano stuff. I did uh, all, you know, tambourine, which is harder than you think. And um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people underestimate how important rhythm and timing is when you're using a tambourine. Yeah, I had there was a goal that I had um, for this record was to, um, in recording, not record like I had done traditionally. So this was my eighth record that I was on, and. Um, Traditionally, you know, uh, you do the back, you know, the back line, the bass, you know, the rhythm section, and you build blah 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 blah. I, I built from the vocals and the acoustic guitar and the tambourine. Out from that, and so you did the tambourine, it completely from the opposite direction. Yeah, and I, and the thing was, I, I I wanted everything. I didn't want a drum kit to drive the pulse, because that can get cluttered even though i have a fantastic drum i mean jack fink is a fantastic drummer but i wanted to find the pulse in the song and then um illuminate that with the tambourine as a percussive uh um as a percussive instrument instrument for punctuation so that the vocals between that the vocals and the acoustic guitar driving through i really felt like i could get a pulse through that and my goal was to not use a full drum kit until the second side of the record, the end of the song, the end of the record, basically. Ooh. And so we only use a snare drum. Uh, we don't use a hi-hat at all in the whole record. Um, we use a snare drum on the first side in one song, but that's just like a sh shuffle and a sh sh that type of thing. That's the only drum you hear there. And then uh, on the second side, their uh, full drum kit will come in. <clears throat> and I wanted to force myself to to be creative that way, you know, and, and it kind of worked. But so the, the record is printing in vinyl right now um, and it will be ready in like eight weeks, probably six weeks now. So when that's ready in six weeks, that is when I will put up uh, the record in all the streaming sites. I'll put it up on Bandcamp for whatever you can pay. You can get it for free, download it for free if you want to. If you have some money, you want to throw it to it. That's great, too. Um, I'm fortunate enough not to have to, uh, live on music now. You know, I did that when I was younger and I, I just can't sleep on floors anymore. And there's, Heard. yeah, it's, it's after it's, a while, it's, your, your spine just, you know, starts to, uh, remind you that it's not the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, a lumbago really. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my sciatica. But the, um, the, uh, so, so basically the, when it's ready and then there will also be a video component to one of the songs. Um, I think brother Kane, I don't know yet. Um, but I have a friend of mine, Ben Lieber, who's a wonderful artist. Uh, he's actually in the local band 
He's the drummer for a local band called Head North. I don't know if you've heard of them, yep. um, but they're really, really great. Um, and I, I'm not saying that just because it's my godson and nephew who's the, the lead singer and writer and lead guitarist for, for it. But, um, but yeah, so it'll be ready then. And I do not expect to sell. I'm only printing up 30 vinyl. So you know, it's a and, really limited, like exclusive run. Yeah, and they're lathe cut, so it's they're not pressed. Um, so I'm wow. doing thirty of those, and and um, I, again, I I just want to share it with some people, and if other people get it, that's great, you know. Um, but if not, I enjoy it, yeah, and that's and that ultimately is what it's for. So that's what the the landsliders um, did. But Kamikaze Ltd is going to do another record too. Um, and I'm very excited about that because, um, we need to, we've got too much material for that. So, so I'm in a creative space right now, which is good. Well, which is really wonderful. And, and just a little, little bit of background information on, on who Kane is the man talking to you, talking about his, his music. We, we usually, uh, we don't ask people to come on here just to, uh, give commercials for their work. And indeed I found this release, uh, to be incredibly compelling the orchestration is very lush the songwriting is evocative and earnest it is highly worth a listen it is very enjoyable and and very rich um listening to it uh and we talked a little bit about this in our pre-recording conversation uh you've worn a lot of different creative hats uh, throughout your life you you've been in in theater uh, musical theater stand-up comedy You've done the music, the the recording, engineering, and you know any any other different roles or occupations or positions a, a man can hold in this life. What I noticed about this particular recording is that the sort of frenetic urgency that perhaps has sort of rocketed you to where you're at now it seems to have sort of taken a step back. And this seems to be a release of assessment and, and contemplation and sort of finding joy in what has already happened or acceptance. You know, forgiveness and, and gratitude. Um, <clears throat> I, I came to this realization. Um, many, I came to many realizations during this record. This record orig- ostensibly was a record called Brothers War. And it was going to be a treatment of my relationship with my twin brother and how destructive it was set to the backdrop of the civil war. And um, mm. <clears throat> what happened is I didn't know how the war ended because it wasn't done. And I ended up realizing that what would end it is a treaty. And in a treaty, there's basically two things. One is people agree not to fight anymore. And then the second thing is they agree what the boundaries are. So those two things can stop a war. Right. And they did between myself and my brother. And as I was recording this record, I mean, I have the title track for Brothers Who Are Already Recorded. I have many songs recorded that did not make this record. But what it ended up being was a reflection of how I got to a place of um, not comfort necessarily, but I'm the best version of myself that I've ever been. I know that. And it doesn't mean I'm great, but it just means that for me, I know in my heart that I'm the most true to who I am. And I'm also the kindest version of me, even though I can be a little bit abrasive and I can be a little bit bellicose sometimes. But um, when it comes down to it, 
I'm, I know I'm a kind man. And that came from being kind to myself. And I realized real quick about this. I realized that I used to try and find happiness. And I thought that was the, that was the idea, but I realized that happiness, you can't be happy all the time. So why waste the energy on something that I couldn't be all the time searching for it, right? So I thought, well, what can I always find when I look for it? Gratitude. So now I don't search for happiness. I search for gratitude and I find gratitude and happiness follows. And it's, it's just it's funny how where I am. Happiness is that like, it's actually a byproduct. You know, you can't chase it directly. It, when, when you take care of the other things in your life that you need more, happiness comes out of those things. You know, it's sort of like, and when you learn that, it really does like change a lot of things in your life. It's like, oh, like, I don't have to like kill myself trying to chase this thing. It's like, no wonder I can never reach it when I want to reach it. It's because it's, it's not, it's not the thing to chase. It's the byproduct of other things being, you know, sorted out. And it's great that like I, you found that. And and I think too, it's, it's a kind of artistic realization or emotion that we we do critically need in a, a time like this and, and not even for reasons of the civil unrest um but it's easy to forget too that th this is also pride month and mm -hmm. uh the memory of events like stonewall still hang in the air you know in 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 terms of that um how <laughs> how, how does that connect to the present moment for me? Yeah, for you. It, for you. It's, it, it connects to the present moment because I have just realized over the last week, <laughs> like in my life, you're like, hey, you caught me at a good time. It's like, um, like I've just realized that um, sometimes shit needs to break to get attention. If real change is going to happen out of something that is just absolutely entrenched and violent and disgusting and difficult and I'm part of it and even it, it's, it's sinister it, it's it's in me and it hides um, if so, if anything that that's going to change it's not going to change simply by somebody taking a knee that started it but what is going to happen is guess what um, I mentioned earlier uh, Kimberly Jones um, she's wonderful and she said this really struck me she said um <clears throat> people say why you burn why you burn down your neighborhood and she said it's not ours we don't own anything that was a powerful, powerful moment and then she said so why should i give up about your target or that or the or the foot the 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 football hall of fame you know, um, as far as I'm concerned, they, she said, as far as I'm concerned, they can burn this bitch to the ground and that still won't be enough. And then she says, and I love this. She says, and y'all just are lucky that black people are only looking for equality and not revenge. And, and true. And I think, you know, I mean, you, I don't know if you guys are aware of what's happening in Seattle right now. Um, oh yeah, that's the, the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the new anarcho syndicalist collective. <laughs> not not even. Not, I'm not going to comment Split on that too much because that's yeah, that's. that's a I mean, idea. I mean, Jesus, what, what what is there to say? Um, <laughs> it it definitely. 
for for me as an artist, you know, I and and I'm sure you feel this too. But there's always the sort of push and pull with how much are we to sort of push the needle towards kind of go 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 change 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 and how much are we supposed to sort of hang back and kind of soothe and reassure and remind people because again with this landsliders release it does feel like a moment of like <sighs> like in like a smog filled city mm -hmm. you know that, where, that's how it felt to me. Yeah, and is, is that where you're at, generally speaking? Are you feeling the, the gears of war or the industry sort of tearing up at this point? Well, it's 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 interesting that, that you mention this because um, I learned, I started playing music um, and, and writing songs because I heard Woody Guthrie. And I thought he really spoke to me. And then I heard, oh, I was a big U2 fan, but I heard Woody Guthrie and Public Enemy. And I was like, these guys know what's up. And one of the things Woody Guthrie said about folk music is, I hope I get this right. He said, folk music is to, is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the, com afflict the comfortable. That's what folk music does. So there, is, there are both sides of this. Like you say, there, there is a place for the time to take a breath. Because it, if, if I'm always... 160 miles an hour chewing through walls and um, trying to make a difference in my world and the world around me. That's exhausting. And I can't, I can't keep that up. There are, there must be times where I reflect and meditation really has, has helped me do that. I, um, I, I began meditating maybe five or six years ago and um, it's, it, I, you know, hyperbole or whatever, but it changed, definitely changed my life. It gave me a place that I can go to and take that breath and center myself and be present and working through a lot of things. Now, what was difficult at the beginning was I was present with somebody I didn't like, but now I'm present with somebody I respect and world of difference. You know, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> You know, it's the difference of, of what type of tears come out, you know, and um, they do. But I remember when I was first starting that just the shame and whatnot, come, like meditating and tears coming out as I'm meditating. But now, of course, the world is crazy, but I'm just grateful for so many things. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice. But the idea about... Um, uh, um, uh, the the riots and how they sprung and his pride and um, Stonewall and whatnot and things need to break. We can't change the world with hugs. You know, a hug is not going to do it right now. Um, there needs to be some really hard and pointed discussions and reflections upon ourselves that find our own guilt and culpability. But I'm at a place right now, thankfully, that that shame won't kill me. I'm strong enough now to deal with that. And, and I don't know if many people in this country are, but, um, you know, I'm grateful for, for being in that place, but, uh, yeah, but sometimes shit's got to break. 
and I, I, I think so too. Broken be removed, otherwise altered in structure in order to continue functioning. Now, you know, and, and again, the, these are even with three people who are of the same mindset and are coming from fairly similar places. It's still there. There's an air of uncomfortableness to talking about this stuff. And I, I am very grateful, of course, to our listeners for, for putting up with it, for entertaining the notion and just hearing other people out. Um, looping, looping back to, to your own story and, and your own journey as an artist. Um, you said in our, in our pre-recording conversation that a lot of your life has been figuring out who you are and and not and not just in in terms of labels like uh, uh you know sexuality or gender identity but in more more rooted deeper ways um talk talk a little bit about that well it's interesting you say who um who who i am uh, there's a line in um a, a song actually it's a, called the treaty suite um but there's a line in a song called love can heal a heartache. It says, what do you bring to everything? And for me, that is who am I co completely and wherever I go, that is right. That's who I am. And try to find that as an identity, like that person, that being that soul, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. I've only come to really recently uh, realize that recent over this last year, this, the journey in this for this record has, um, been such a wonderful grow, growing experience for me. Um, as an artist, I, I can't think of any other, any better outcome, you know, already, you know, for the record, I'm proud of it and stuff, but my God, that's what art does. It reveals rather than conceals. Right. And, it, but in, in, in any event, so I'm, I'm an identical twin and, uh, I was saying earlier, you know, one of the mind trips that it did for me anyway, how I'm built, how my brother's built and whatnot, how we're thinkers and, 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 and whatnot. I can remember being six or seven years old and talking to my aunt and she was, she was talking to me and the thought went through my mind. She doesn't know who I am. And then what followed it is she doesn't even care. So, that right, because ripped. she wasn't making the investment to actually get to know hey, are you, you are, as an yeah. individual. Or I'm going to ask which one. Sorry, I, I, I don't want to do this. It's embarrassing, but I cannot tell you guys apart. You are, you know, that well, type well, of thing. The, the, Never got the, it. The suggestion is that you, by yourself, you don't exist. You only exist in relation to someone else mm -hmm. who also doesn't exist except in relation to you. It's, it's very much that Hegelian sort of dialectic you know, you know the one, the yeah. Sure, or it could be Heisenberg. Like you, one's, you can tell how fast one's running, but you can't tell where it is. You know, it's like um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we're we're gonna have to pull that back. We're gonna have to cut out the philosophy. Apologies. Oh, we got to Wait, wait, Devin, anyway. did you say we have to cut out the philosophy? I feel we like got. Oh, we, oh, oh we're, we're not being fair. In this. We're not being fair. That's funny, but you are you are like one of the more eloquent, uh, esoteric ones in this group. 
you know so and, and you're, you're telling us to dial it back that that concerns me when when you're going okay guys we're getting a little we get a little lofty here um but so the thing is uh so when it, at a very young age i i realized or i came to believe that i only existed as half of of, of a of a whole and that what I did reflected on him, what he did reflected on me. You know, I, I remember looking at him like, Jesus, do I walk like that? Oh my God, do I, you know, it's it, it just cringing, right? And we were absolutely brutal to one another. Just, just, just brutal. Um, as, as bad as you can imagine that two, like, really sharp, um, sharp-tongued, um, smart-asses, could be to one another and we were just vicious but um and so that was we just beat each other up all that way and yet stayed in the same room graduated from high school together moved down to atlanta georgia together um to play music um pardon me went to college and played music in college went to the same college moved down to atlanta georgia played music down there um together and lived together and then moved to Athens, lived together in Athens, and we were together creating and hating one another and hating ourselves and not knowing, you know, trying to reconcile who I am by the push and the pull. And sometimes I'd feel like the, the authentic part of me would be something that's also authentic with him, but I couldn't do that because that's his milieu, right? You know, he's the jean jacket guy with the U2 spray, you know, uh, what is it like a, like at the canal fest, you get it, you know, um, airbrushed on the back with a unicorn that says, you know, Marie and Steve, you know, sure. whatever. Um, yeah. like, like <laughs> anyway, but so, so like, but, um, like that's him. But so, Oh, I couldn't do that. So I had to be the preppy one, but I, so I'm pushing against what I naturally feel like I should go to. And it was just, it was very, very difficult. And so the record, like I was saying, was originally going to be brothers war. Just, um, using music and songs to explore that concept. And, um, but the war wasn't over until uh, last summer, really, when I kind of like about three months into the record, the war, the war ended with a treaty. And um, my brother and I had the biggest fight we've ever, ever had in our life. And um, after a few days, you know, it was over. And now if you, if you listen to the record that released uh, Shake the Underground, the breath is the war is over and I'm not fighting anymore. That feels really, really good. Especially after such a long time. I mean, you know, something that you like experienced for, you know, a very large portion of your life to finally come to the point where the fighting has stopped and at least you guys have reached some sort of agreement upon something. Mm -hmm. that, That had to be just such you know, uh, a load off your shoulders to finally be like, okay, for a moment I can pause and really breathe and sort of take it all in. Because when you're in the middle of all these things, you know, and you're, you're there, all this information comes at you constantly, 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 you know, you're kind of like processing it on the fly and you don't really get a chance to really deeply process that information until you have a moment when everything stops. Then you could really sort of like, you've, you finally have a moment where you've got everything in your hands and you could really take a look at what's in your hands there and be like, okay, what do I really have here? And, and look at it as a whole. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And you just said something that sent me tripping. 
so that I can breathe. I can't breathe is the saying now, right? Yeah. And I am fortunate enough to have gone through, it wasn't murder, it's not on that level, but on an emotional scale and the damage that was done, it was pretty brutal. But to get to a point where I can get through it and I can breathe, that's not what is happening with so many black men in particular in this nation at the hands of police and not getting the opportunity to breathe. Like it took me a long time. Right. And I finally got the opportunity simply because I lived long enough and I worked hard at it and all these kind of stuff that's taken away from these people. And, um, I just thought it was really interesting about I can breathe versus I can't breathe. And, um, Oh, that's hurtful. Yeah. And 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 of course, we're you know on on this show, we are not by any means attempting to equivocate uh, experiences here. Uh, not none of us, for speaking, have lived in experience of people of color, and we none. will not pretend to or assert to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this idea of sort of finding your center, finding your grounding, though finding your breath, you know, and I'm not talking Feldenkrais here. Um, it, it, it's sort of the, the problem of, of masculinity at the end of the day. I, I, heard a, I heard a great quote the other day that real masculinity is perfection effortlessly. And it takes discipline and work. And, and right now, a lot of our discourse, a lot of the ways that men feel pressured to present is powerful bellicose chest beating all that but but that's that's obviously not the way and i'm i'd like to hear your thoughts on it someone who's engaged with that question as as i engage with it as i'm sure michael shamil engages with it as i'm sure every male guest we've had on the show wrestles with it what what have you learned well, what what I what I've learned, um, what I believe, is that the masculinity, or what passes for masculinity in this society in this culture, um, is rooted in two things: fear and greed. And those two things are destructive. They really are. They're destructive. And the, the fear is so deep seated and it, it's so, uh, it's, it's, it's tentacles are everywhere. What I, what I want to say about the masculinity um, and um, the concept of that, there are so many parts of it, which I just would say there's so many different you know, things. In, but what I, what first comes to mind for me right now is the concept of the alpha male warrior and anybody who's not in that place is, you know, they got names for them and whatever, you know, wearing a mask is an interesting concept to me because wearing a mask now during this pandemic is somehow seen as, not masculine 
because you're you're not strong enough to um, do without it. Many people see it that way. I should what say. What do you mean? You know, I many... flex and the virus dies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, this is literally these like the men who do not wear a mask. That is the literal definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah, like they are Quite sharing literal. a virus. Yeah. You know, and and I, the way I'm built. I, I get a chip on my shoulder about that. You know, I see these things where somebody coughs on, you know, they want to they be this alpha thing and they cough on somebody who's wearing a mask. God help me if somebody does that because I think my first impression or my first instinct is going to be to punch them in the mouth. Like that's, that's where it comes from me. And that's the bellicose, uh, aggressive, me, um, uh, erroneously seen as a masculine set, set of me, but it's actually just uh, the inability of me to control my emotions. You know. Well, um, I, I obviously we we don't condone violence on the eighth note sessions. I will say though, we we are big fans of the golden rule: treat mm-hmm. people as you want to be treated, and in all things, practice reciprocity. Um, on a, on a sillier <laughs> note. Could an alternate title to your album have been uh, "I Know You Are," but but what am I? Because uh, I, I in your case, that has an even like deeper meaning. Yeah, it could have been that 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 you and your brother were both trying to search mm. for your own identity, but mm. also a little bit through antagonizing each other. So in a sense, there was a little bit of well, you know, I know you are, but what am I? And then it's like, wait, no, I don't know what you are or what am I? But we're trying to figure that out. But also, fuck you. <laughs> It's I'll like an ontological a, question. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I didn't. I wouldn't name it that because there is that message to my brother in this record. And I'll tell you how. The last song in the record is a song called You're Not On Your Own. But it's also a song that was on the first record that my brother and I ever recorded in 1994. It was an acoustic record. And it went by the name of uh, Don't Run and Scatter at that point. There's a in the chorus, in the choruses, um, yes, I know what it means to uh, be afraid, and yes, I know what it means to, to be alone. You're not on your own, right? My brother, when we recorded it originally, he said, oh, we should say when you got each other after that, that line. And I'm like, no, we should not, because it's not about that. It's, it's about me telling people that I feel like you feel, right? It's not about the two of us being together. It's about that. And he said, well, I'm going to sing it anyway. And we did that record live, sitting in the same room, singing to one another, playing acoustic guitars in the same room, all one take, 11, 10 of the 11 songs were one take through, and we kept them, and, and the other thing, whatever. And he's like, I begged him not to sing that line. And he said, fuck you. So he sang it, and it's on the first record. And it's been sticking with me for over 20 years, like, motherfucker, it's a really nice song. And I got to listen to that the whole fucking time, right? So, it's, and that was the first song I ever wrote. First song I ever wrote. So, so I thought, gonna, I was like, like, reprise that song? I did. It's the last what? song on the record. And yes. it's me doing it acoustic. And I don't sing that line. And it's a beautiful version of it. And it's kind of like, and I changed the name. So my brother, when he listens to the record, he's not going to know it until it starts. He's like, what? Why is he putting this on? You know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> 20 years so, later, sticking it to him. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wanted to redeem myself, you know, type thing. But um, so, so there's so we that. Should, we yeah. should be looking forward to his counter-release when he, re- <laughs> when he makes a diss track. And he like, you guys, it. like, have the next, like, big epic, like, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> 
Well, Brothers War was supposed to be a two-sided thing. He did his. Right. He already he already wrote a record called Brothers War, and it's brilliant. He's written like five or six records after the Fountains, and he's only released one of them. And he's in the process of doing another one. He's really really talented. But um, in any event, he already did his Brothers War, and um, he already he already did songs. You know, I think that, that are pointed at me. You know, like um, uh, and and they're always like like okay. Let me put it this way: when he was in high school, he was in a punk band. And they named their first album with friends like you, who needs enemas, right? And <laughs> that's, and they that's told me, punk. yeah. And they told me it was about me. So Ooh. that's the thing. Ooh. So that's the thing. Yes. So that's that's the thing. You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of been, it's been that. It's still that way. <laughs> We're brothers. That's what happens. <laughs> if if it's punk, it's prickly, right? It has to. Yeah, it is. I can't but, stand yes. you, but I also can't stand to be without you. So I guess uh, we're just going to ride this bus to hell together. Yeah, you ride this bus to hell together. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, already there. <laughs> like, <let's laughs> one of the things that you were mentioning earlier is that, you know, on this album, you did, like, reach that point where some boundaries were were created what what how did you get to the point where you guys could finally after all these years not only create those boundaries but identify an avenue for doing that because that's not an easy process that's not always as simple as like i want this i want this here's the compromise it's usually a lot more involved how did that work out you know it's it's it was a process and um my brother lives outside of boston massachusetts and we despite like what i'm saying right here we talk on the phone five times a week i mean like we're very very close in 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 lots of ways and um we always talked about music and all this kind of stuff but the first boundary was he told me he did not want to discuss my music at all i couldn't mention any music that we recorded together i couldn't mention any music that i was working on at this point and he didn't want to listen to it, period, anything. And that went on for months. And I, at first I was trying, it's not like I was, you know, kind of feeling him out, but I, I was sending him some stuff that wasn't on this record, but I was kind of working on it. I was really excited about it. And went on. he's like, what don't you fucking get? I don't want to hear you. Right. So what it took was about three or four months of, not discussing fundamentally what is at the core of each of us and what I want to share with him and being not allowed to do that. Right. But I had to respect where the boundary was. And after that, uh, organically, we began speaking about music. He's, I let him be the one to start that. And now he's very, actually, he told me at the earlier part, he's like, I don't want everyone to listen to your record. I don't want everyone to hear anything you write ever. You know, I like that's, Kind of for the sake of his own individuality, though, is that his way of saying, "If I his listen own to sanity. you, I may accidentally be influenced by you." And no, for me no. To, no, it's not any of that. Okay. It's, no, it's him. If it's him saying, "If I listen to you, I'm going to hate you even more." Ugh. Your voice just fucking sends me up a wall. Anytime I just hear you, and I cringe, like that kind of thing, right? Real, That's, real raw feelings, though. Like family things, like like yeah, like, yeah. like 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 family can say to one another. But like I said, though. Um, I approached it when I finally re- realized exactly where the boundary was. I approached it like I approached um, my mother-in-law who for the first 11 years of my relationship with my husband, we've been together for 16, married for nine, but for the first 11 years 
my mother-in-law never said my name ever. Wow. Right. Wow. And it bothered my husband more than it bothered me. And I said, look, the only thing I can do is treat you well forever. And if that's not enough, there's nothing else I can do. So I thought with my brother, I was like, you know what? The only thing I can do is respect his wishes. And if that's not enough, then I guess I'll be sad and he'll never listen to my music again. And, and that'll be very hurtful, but and that's what it is. But as it turns out, we both have grown. Yeah, we, we, we both have grown. And now when he hears the last song in the record, he's not going to want to hear any more music ever again. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be right back to square one. <laughs> and honestly, I, I think that that is a, a great cutoff point. Kane, thank you so much for joining us. It's the most oh, fun I've had an interview in a long time. <laughs> oh, good. I, I really enjoyed this as well. You guys are you guys are really good at this and you're fun conversationalists. So I look forward to the day when we can be in the same room again. I know. We'll, we'll be way way more to talk to. We'll be at Gypsy on a Tuesday, I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Be well. Thanks, guys. Yes. And this has been the Eighth Note Sessions. Thank you for listening to us. I'm Mike Shamil. I'm Devin Mullen. And our guest is Kane. Thank you so much, Kane. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Here's an excerpt from Other Boys and Girls by Landsliders. I'm ashamed to find that was today. The songs we sing and what we say won't teach the generations in the years when we are gone. Maybe in this century They'll build a better you and me The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Help keep our podcast going and other programs by donating today at musicisart.org. Thank you for listening.